With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, I'm George Cup, And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. Please note that this is a podcast. So... It's not a live broadcast, so please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions, as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged. Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions, but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. and I will be joined by my co-host and boxing George Cup. Hello everyone. This evening, Callum and I will prove to you that you can have impassioned debates whilst holding vastly different opinions without falling out at the end of the night. So this evening, we will be discussing should higher education be paid for through indirect taxation? What is the greatest TV show of the last 10 years? And lastly, will we ever find life on another planet? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But first, last week we asked for you guys to send in your opinions on the question, should the UK legalise assisted suicide? Uh, and as always, we've had some really fascinating responses come in. The first is from Miranda. Miranda says, this is such a difficult topic for me, because on one hand, I don't believe that as humans, we should assist or play any role in someone else's death, for obvious reasons. But at the same time, I remember when both my grandma and my grandpa died, the thing we all constantly said was, at least they're not in pain anymore. Because for their last few months, for both of them, they were in a lot of pain. Obviously, I would never want one of my loved ones in pain, and with the inevitable element being that they were going to die soon, a part of me did think it if it would be better to end their pain sooner. But I just don't know, because for every situation that is as clear to me as that, there are so many more where it's more blurred and difficult to know what the right thing to do would be. George, what do you make of that? It is, <clears throat> Miranda, is you uh, put the two kind of, counter arguments for for and and not in in a very good position there because it is 
on the face of it, I can see why um, people would argue that it's wrong that we we get involved in, in people's deaths, and and absolutely there is an argument to say, well, it's it's you could argue it's assisted murder, not assisted suicide, um, in some cases, and and it's <clears throat> um, I can definitely see those points coming through, but um, you rightly say as well that when you have someone that you love someone that's been in pain um, and, and you've seen them go through that pain when they do finally pass away you do think to yourself and you say to other people that they are at peace now they're not going through that anymore and and a lot of older people especially when they go through pain um, they often just want to give up they often just they they know that they've lived a good life and they they now just want to go and and quite often um as it, it was said to me when my uh, nana was passing away and um, the hospital turned and said, look, our job is to keep her alive, not to kill her. Um, but all she wanted was to be out of the pain and to, to, to move on as such. Um, so I think that when it comes to situations like that, there is no harm in actually trying to put them into some level of comfort where they have moved on at their own decision. Callum, what are your thoughts on what Miranda said? Yeah, I mean, as you say, George, I think it does sum up um, both sides of the argument really well. Um, and um, I, I definitely um, empathise um, with, with what you're saying, Miranda, in terms of with your grandma and grandpa um, and, and seeing them go through the And that does then kind of lead you down that, that question of whether or not um, assisted suicide should be um, made legal and things like that. I mean, I think f- for all, always, if um, assisted suicide or assisted dying, whatever you want to call it, is um, if that is to be legalised, I think it's a hundred percent got to be with a proper process in place. Um, so it needs to have some kind of medical scrutiny and oversight. It needs to be the decision of the individual who will die, not the decision of the relatives as such, um, which obviously does mean that inevitably there'll, there'll be some people where they're, they're too far gone to be able to make that decision and therefore, uh, unfortunately, they would probably just have to go on in pain as such, which which is obviously extremely difficult. Um, but I, I, I think you need to have that process in there to ensure that it's, it's not abused. I, I recall that I went to a debate about this a, a good few years ago now um, and there was a guy who was very very emotive about the subject he was very against um, assisted suicide because he said that it would lead to his um, his granddad being killed against his will as such um, and obviously the absolute categoric thing that has to happen um, with any legalization of this process is that sort of thing just doesn't happen where someone is killed against their will, which in the places where assisted suicide has been legalised, that is the case. It hasn't happened where um, by people are being killed against their will or anything like that. But we obviously have to put in place that process to ensure that doesn't happen. Um, our next opinion comes in from Johnny. And he says, I believe that assisted suicide is the most humane option. When we allow our pets to be put to sleep, 
to put them out of their pain, but we make humans suffer until their very last breath. What does that say about us? With cats and dogs, we don't just randomly put them down because nobody wants them or because they're abandoned. Translate that into humans, and that's some of people's fears of legalizing assisted suicide. There are rules and guidelines for when it's appropriate, as it would be if we legalized it for humans. But humans deserve to respect each other and to give people who are going to die anyway the chance to do so without going through months or years of unnecessary pain. Well, Callum, do you think that it is right what Johnny's saying that to, to kind of compare assisted suicide to, the, to how we treat our pets and putting them down? I think it's, yeah, it is in, in many ways. It, it slightly strikes you at first, doesn't it? You don't often want to be compared to a pet, I suppose. But I, I think it is true that, you know, we, we are enlightened enough to um, be able to say that that pets shouldn't go through unnecessary pain Um, but we're not quite there for for humans my kind of question I have for you George um, is that if um, I've just I've just completely lost my train of thought. Do you want to give your um, thoughts, and I'll, I'll come back with my question, George, because I've completely Absolutely. forgot. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I I think that it it is interesting how we do treat our animals in a certain way um, compared to our, our own human um, relations, and I think that um, you, Johnny, you do make a good point in that when we our pets are at a point where they are suffering so much that um, it is more fair for them to be put down, um, then we, we do so. But I think the biggest difference is, and I think it's important, is that in actual fact, animals obviously can't talk to us. They can't tell us how they feel. So we have to go on what the vet says. Um, and, and I think when it comes to humans, obviously the majority of the time, humans can tell us. Um, what they are feeling and what what they want because sometimes when people are in, incredibly suffering like some pets they might just say that no I don't I don't want to be put down I don't want to, to die right now I want to keep going and, and try and fight this out um, and I think that that's the big difference there is that we don't I suppose get a choice as such because we don't know what the animal is actually feeling because they can't tell us so we feel the best way to 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 get rid of that pain is is to put them to sleep whereas with humans we can actually have that conversation engage in that dialogue to ensure that this is what they want um and I think that that's maybe where it's it's not as right to compare between um, pets and humans when we're talking about assisted suicide. Callum, have you have you thought of your uh, your question for me or not? Yes, yeah. Um, so it, it was that obviously in Johnny's answer, um, he he kind of makes reference to obviously as you say, George, that um, with with uh, dogs and cats and pets, you you make that decision for them, obviously. And do you think, obviously, I mentioned in, in my previous response to Miranda's question, that, or not question, opinion rather, that I didn't feel that um, we should be able to make that decision for family members if they're now beyond the point of being able to make that decision for themselves. You know, maybe they're, um, they, they've lost their speech or, or something like that. I mean, do, do you agree with that or do you think that if a family member's suffering enough, but we can't know for sure whether they would have supported 
um, assisted suicide or not? Do you, do you think that family members should be able to make that decision, you know, for their um, mother or father, maybe? Well, it's it's an interesting point because often when someone or a family member gets to the point where they aren't mentally in a state to make decisions themselves or, or aren't well enough to make decisions themselves, they often um, have a I think it's a power of attorney or something um, where they they pra- practically um, give all their powers and decisions over to to a family member to to make those kind of decisions for them. So it. it I do agree, though, Callum, that I think it should be down to the person that is potentially going to die, whether or not they they, um, have this assisted suicide or not. But I think that sometimes when you when someone is in that mental state where they can't make the decisions and that they have signed um, the the legislation or the document to allow them to, to give that power to someone else, then I don't see why. Um, if you can physically see your loved one suffering that much and, and you feel that they are going to be put out of their misery um, and actually help them by, by going through assisted suicide and, and they've given you that power and entrusted you with that power, then I don't think that that is um, too bad. Can you see where I'm coming from with that? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think as well, another thing that could certainly happen, if you know that you're going to get a... Um, some kind of medical ailment that's going to possibly lead to you being not able to make that decision for yourself maybe ahead of time you could kind of do similar to like organ donation you could you could say I'm unhappy or similar to how they say are you happy for your um well not happy but are you okay with your uh, life support machine being switched off or not being resuscitated or, or things like that you could sign that ahead of time and say you know if I get to the point where I no longer am responsive, I would prefer to kind of be put out of my misery. Yeah, it's very much, sorry, just to quickly jump in, Callum, uh, it's very much like um, when an old person knows that they're, they're not that well, is they, they sign a do not resuscitate form. So if they do pass out, have a heart attack, whatever, um, they have a form that the NHS is aware of so where they, they cannot get resuscitated because they feel as if they don't want to carry on as such. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right then, uh, remember we'll be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show. So make sure you're ready for that for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show. We've reached time for our first break, so we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So let's move on to our second discussion of this evening. And we're asking, should higher education be paid for through indirect taxation? So firstly, when we talk about higher education, we talk about out-of-secondary school. We talk about going into university and beyond. Currently, right now in place, we have tuition fees. And I suppose a lot of people like to call them student loans, where the government will give students a, a loan to ensure that they can then pay for their higher education. Um, and then once they have completed their course and got their degree, and even sometimes if they don't get their degree, um, they are then required to pay that back to the government, um, which is uh, including interest rates. But there are obviously precautions in place where you have to earn over a certain amount of money. Um, you have to be able to ensure that um, you are you can pay it back each month. And also it's a very small amount that you pay back each month. But there are many 
that believe that this idea of student loans are wrong and that higher education should be um, paid by the taxpayer, paid by every single person that pays um, for their taxes. And as such, that would mean that you would pay for those to go to university. Is that right or is it not? Callum, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a very, uh, it's one that probably a lot of our listeners are going to feel very passionate about. Um, my personal opinion is that uh, higher education should be paid for directly by those that are benefiting from higher education under the system we have now. I think the system we have now is a very good one. I think there are definitely tweaks to be made. Maybe the overall fee could be reduced. Um, certainly, um, maintenance grant should be reintroduced as well, um, rather than maintenance loans to ensure that we're not um, meaning that the uh, those that need assistance the most are having to pay back the most. That doesn't seem fair to me. Um, but overall, I think that kind of a, a direct payment for tuition fees or for higher education is the way in which it should be done um, rather than through this kind of indirect taxation. Because, I, I mean, George, obviously, when we were originally writing this question, we originally had this down as should higher education be free? Um, but we, we, we changed it because it's quite simply any party any movement that is telling you let's make higher education free they are not telling the complete truth to be quite frank because it's never free someone pays for it um, it would either be through indirect taxation where those who don't go to university have to pay for everyone else um, or it would be through kind of direct payments like the system um, that we have now although albeit it is postponed and you don't necessarily have to always pay it if you end up not being able to afford it. Um, I think that's a pretty fair system, to be quite frank. Um, what do you think, George? I <clears throat> I do think that, um, unfortunately, right now, we have an absolute um, wrong attitude, a wrong stigma around um, student student loans. And, and I mean, Martin Lewis, who's a, who's a um, financial... Uh, expert always shouts about and says that stop calling it um, a student loan and everything and, and stop calling it a, a student tax or whatever he says um, because there is no there is evidence and it is very clear to to, sh to see that the system that we have in place right now actually helps those of a lesser background come into university since this has come in there have been more from working class families that have been able to come into university and actually afford to be able to come into it. I do agree with Callum though that I think the grants should come back into place. I think um, they were a massive benefit for, for those that were obviously um, have parents that didn't didn't earn as much as as others and, and as such had to have has to have a bigger loan or um, and and that's that then means that they have to pay more um, going forward, which I do think is wrong. But the system that we have allows us to ensure that if you do graduate, you have to be earning over £25,000 um, and then it's a very small amount each month. And it's a the reason why I don't refer to it as a loan is because it will never show up on your record. It doesn't go against um, getting mortgages or loans or anything. It doesn't go against your credit rating if you don't pay it back. And once you're 50, if you haven't paid it back, it gets wiped from the system. Um I can see some arguments as to why 
um, people would want to have it paid by um, the taxpayer because obviously our lower education, if you like, is, is paid by um, the taxpayer. Our secondary schools, our primaries. Um, but I, the biggest thing for me is that university is a choice and that should be how it how it is. And, and that choice should be also be taken into account that whether or not you can you should pay for for that i don't think it's right that someone that leaves secondary school chooses to go and have a vocational job or you know becomes a builder or whatever becomes a business owner or becomes a business manager i don't think it's right that because they've made that decision they still have to pay for someone's education just because that person chose to university and get a degree and go on to do something else personally i don't think that's right and i think you are more than capable to make that decision up and i also think and i don't know what callum believes but i also think that if it was an in inverted commas free where the, the taxpayer paid for education i think universities and degrees wouldn't mean as much i think that everyone would just go to university just because i don't think that it would help at all in actually ensuring that we had a proper educational kind of uh generation coming through when people go to university callum do you kind of see what i'm trying to say there or do you think i'm often as usual talking a load of rubbish no, I see what you're saying. I think actually probably the horse story bolted in terms of that, to be honest. I think already there's a lot of people going to university um, that that possibly possibly the, the degrees that are on offer aren't going to really necessarily help them in the job market. But then we have to also look at the side of the fact that it's the social experience of university as much as anything. I mm. think it's in education and living away from home particularly now that it's much harder to get on the housing ladder it might be your only chance for the first kind of 10 years of your adult life maybe um and and it's just about meeting new friends and and, and exploring new possibilities but the actual substance of degrees um i think there is already loads of people doing them and um, that maybe then not necessarily degrees that are going to massively help them in the job market um, I mean, one question I have for you, George, is that if we look at academia as a whole, um, so I'm looking more towards kind of postgrad level, PhDs, um, actual lecturers and things like that, um, and researchers, it's on the whole is a, quite a middle class profession. Um, and I think one reason for that is that the actual financial support for people wanting to go to do PhDs and even to do masters and, and stuff like that is, is not m massively generous um, it's, it's actually very very difficult um, to, to get much support particularly post after a master's sort of thing um, and I just wonder whether or not you think that for things like masters and PhDs there should be more support to encourage people from more of an economically challenged background um, to, to kind of get into that and to make it much less of a middle class profession. Oh, absolutely. I think there definitely is not enough support for those that wish to go on to further education even more. Um, and I think that we should be encouraging people to, to look to masters and, and, and PhDs and, and, you know, become doctors and, and be able to say that they have a master in, in whatever subject they wish to go and study. Um, I think that it is a deterrent for people that wish to further their education from university when they see that there isn't that financial support there from the government. Um, and, you know, we, we often say that 
we don't have enough educated people at higher level and well christ that's one way to solve it is ensuring that we um, actually encourage people to to take on um phds and 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 take on masters as well because um then we can have those people in, in that we need in the higher education kind of jobs and and i think that is incredibly important i mean yes it means that it puts an extra what is it two or three years onto their um educational life but i think it's worth it because for the ed, end product i mean do you think though callum if if it was opened up to um you know financial support was there for for everyone and it was very much like um what you get at university do you think though that masters and maybe especially um, PhDs do you think they should be slimmed down to more specific subjects so that we don't see what we've seen with the current degrees um, at university where they're not actually things that potentially will help you further your career well um, so in terms of masters I think it's possible that over the next kind of couple of generations they will become today's um, undergrad degree uh, and so their their value um, decreases as everyone else ends up getting masters and stays on. I mean, think about how many people I'm trying to think of how many people I know that have gone on to do masters, um, but not really because it's a masters that's going to massively help them in their career. It's what we call a panic masters. In terms of um, in terms of PhDs, I mean, I'm no expert in how they work because I've never applied for one or anything like that. But my understanding is that with things like PhDs and doctorates and, and stuff like that, even if there's a government grant that helps out, I don't think we'd reach the point where they lose their value because you still have to apply with a specific research focus. And you still need to be assigned some kind of tutor and, and you need to have an office and, and things like that. And, and so I, I think on that basis, even if that's opened up um, a little bit more to more people, um, I don't think they will lose their value um, in the same way. I mean, just very briefly, George, do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I do. I do think that um, I, t I totally agree with what, what you're saying, Callum. Um, and how do you think this, this will go? What do you think people will vote for? I think that... I'm going to say yes, we'll get 55%. What about you? I think yes, we'll get um, we'll get about 80% actually. Um, but as always, there's only one way to find out, and that's for all of you to go and vote on this poll. Should higher education be paid for through indirect taxation? And you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And we'll be back after this break. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So for the results of the poll, should higher education be paid for through indirect taxation, please go to our Twitter page, that's at WizRadio. Right then, time to move on to our third discussion of this evening. And we are asking, what is the greatest TV show of the last 10 years? So TV has, in recent years, undergone something of a revival. In the past, the general rule of thumb was that the biggest names would be found on the big screen, with the smaller stars reserved for the smallest screens. This is no longer the case, with huge stars like Henry Cavill, Jude Law and Nicole Kidman all having multi-million TV roles. This has inevitably led to the overall quality 
of TV shows increasing and the last decade has seen some fantastic television. But what was the best? Was it Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, Chernobyl, Rick and Morty, or that famous show of other? There's probably actually a TV show called <laughs> Other, actually. Uh, but we just mean any other option. Uh, George, what do you think? Do you know what? I'm actually in shock because I think this is the first kind of multipole where we've asked, you know, like a question like this that I've actually seen every one of the shows. Um, wow. I'm, I'm very impressed with myself. Um, it's a very hard pick because I did very much enjoy all of them and each one of those um, titles mentioned kind of brought a different genre, a different way of, of watching and, and a different interest as well. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the biggest, the first kind of big uh, series I watched was Breaking Bad. I, I watched that with um, my mum. We, we watched the whole thing. We were very late to, to catch up on everything and we, we I mean, I remember, um, I think it was back when uh, during university I think or just before university that we sat for quite a while every evening and tried to get through as many episodes as we possibly could in, in one night and, and to, to, to get through it because it was a fantastic show and it was incredibly uh, gritting and you really wanted to keep putting um, this shows how old it is keep it in the next DVD into the into the drive uh, so um but then I again I was very late to, to catch up to the, to the Game of Thrones um, franchise. All, all of my friends and Callum will vouch for this. All of my friends were, were watching it, and I was like, I, I haven't watched it, never watched it. And then I think I was it was a time when I was unemployed, and I literally for about um, three weeks or two weeks just watched Game of Thrones straight from series one, um, season one, and and just watched it nonstop. And I caught up pretty quickly. Um, and I absolutely loved it. It's, you know, the, the magical kind of world in, in a way with, you know, the dragons and the mythical world is not something that I've often kind of, uh, been drawn to, but the way it was, it was done on Game of Thrones really, really enlightened me. And I, and I absolutely loved, loved watching it. And it made me really fall in love and get very passionate about some of the characters in there. You know, I still believe that Sansa should have been, um, queen, but, you know, she's queen of the North, but there you are. Sorry for spoilers there. I was going to say. Um, she died. No, she didn't. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, Chernobyl, I started watching that. I struggled to keep going with it. Um, it was quite a slow burner for me. I know it's a very, very, you know, obviously real life drama. And, and I think it's incredibly um, a fantastic series and it's won many awards. But um, it's uh, it, it for me, I, I just couldn't as much get into it and rick and morty well what can be said about rick and morty it's a very um out there kind of cartoon show and, and quite often if i need cheering up and just want a bit of a an easy show to watch i will often put rick and morty on if, if if i'm honest how about you callum what a what show out of those is is your is your number one i think in terms of the one that i enjoyed the most and i got most of the hype about was game of thrones i absolutely love game of thrones uh, particularly the first five seasons of Game of Thrones. I absolutely loved it. Um, I, unfortunately, I don't think I can say it's the greatest TV show in the last 10 years simply because it, its quality and its overall consistency took such a nosedive from season six, season seven onwards. Um, uh, and for reference, for anyone that's not seen it, there's, there's eight, eight seasons of Game of Thrones. Um, and so I think on 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 that basis, I, I can't say that that was the best. Was that so, when the book stopped? 
Yes, yeah, r- roughly. Yeah. Uh, there was one season, I think season six was when books stopped and it was still relatively okay. But the further they got away from the book material, the, the kind of worse it got, in my opinion, anyway. Um, in terms of Breaking Bad, I, I did enjoy it, but I found it incredibly slow, actually, Breaking Bad. And and I think for me, my, my trouble was there was never a character in Breaking Bad which I really was cheering as such. I thought they were all, uh, with maybe the exception of Jesse, but they were all relatively not exactly ones that I could sympathise with. I mean, you could to a certain degree, um, but I, I actually found it to be quite a tough watch, Breaking Bad. I think actually the kind of last few episodes were really good of Breaking mm. Bad, but beyond that, sometimes it felt there was maybe a little bit too much filler in there, in my opinion. Uh, Rick and Morty, I've never really understood the hype for. I've only seen a few episodes, I will confess, so maybe I should have persevered a bit more with that. Chernobyl was excellent. I only actually watched that um, relatively recently, but that was excellent. But it was a miniseries, and I, I think that it's very difficult to say that a miniseries is the greatest TV show of, of the last 10 years because mm. I, I feel like you have to have some commitment and just I think it was just five episodes you know um, and therefore it's it's difficult to say that, that that's the greatest so I'm, I'm gonna say that probably it's it's really difficult and I'm I'm actually gonna do a, a u-turn <laughs> I think and say for me the greatest show of the last 10 years was Game of Thrones but the ending <laughs> and everything like that was pretty poor yeah, I uh, um, sorry, sorry. I was I was just going to say um, I'm actually going to be a bit different here, and I'm going to say that my favourite of the greatest TV shows of the last ten years is actually comes from the other category. Okay, yeah. Um, and mine is a series called Line of Duty. Um, it's uh, a series that's that I absolutely love. It's been but going you on like for. That. Yeah, I love Line of I Juice. I thought you hated it because I, I could have sworn we had the conversation where you said, oh, because I know that they'd never do that in the police, I can't watch that kind of show. Yeah, that's true. And that is very much my opinion. But Line of Duty, I kind of just let my that kind of brain switch off, um, whatever brain I, I have. Line of Duty, yeah. um, and I absolutely love Line of Duty. And, and I cannot wait for the next um, series to come out. I think they're just finishing filming it at the moment. Um, and it's going to be so, so good because, you know, we finally find out things that we've been waiting to find out for a very long time. Um, so I would actually go for the other category and I'm going to say Line of Duty. I mean, Callum, what other series would, would you bring to the uh, the argument here? Oh, it's difficult. And it's trying to remember when things were released, so whether or not they qualify as the last kind of 10 years. Um, one that's releasing right now, which I think is really clever, um, and and you, I think you agree with me, George. Is, is the boys on over on Amazon Prime Video? Oh, very um, good. Yeah, that that I think that's excellent because it, it's kind of a, it's almost like a parody of um, superhero um, films and superhero franchises, um, with with very much a serious subject matter. Which actually, or, although a lot of it's quite tongue in cheek, there's actually a really good commentary I think within it on our current society and it, its focus upon kind of social media and influences and, and things like that so so i think 
maybe we can't say right now because it's only had two seasons it's the greatest tv show of the last 10 years but, but i think it it's certainly got potential yeah it's got potential um for sure what what do you think is going to come out on top here george um oh i do you know what i think mm, i think i'm going to say other is actually going to come out on top here i think i'm going to give other a chance and say that there are so many amazing other shows that i think that people will try will vote for other what do you think yeah, I think other will come out on top, actually, as well. Right, and there's only one way, of course, for to find out, and that's for you guys to vote away. So that question is, what is the greatest TV show of the last 10 years? Is it Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, Chernobyl, Rick and Morty, or other? You can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen, and we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back. So for the right first, what is the greatest TV show of the last 10 years? And to find out results to that poll, head over to our Twitter page, that's at Wiz Radio. Right, let's move on to our fourth discussion of this evening. And as always, as I say, the most important discussion. So we are asking, will we ever find life on another planet? So it has often been asked, is there life out there? Are we the only life in our solar system or are there other lives on Earth? different solar systems we are still trying to investigate whether there is life on mars and whether these little worm parasites actually could be little humans or who knows they might be like the borrowers there are different films and different franchises that suggest that there are alien lives out there i mean just look at doctor who first for example apparently there are rhinos in some weird suits out there according to doctor who and it wouldn't be amazing to actually believe that that even there are some weird upside down bins with lids on some some you know a whisk and a weird plunger thing called daleks they're also out there as well um but who knows i mean callum do you think we will ever find life on another planet yeah i think we will i think it's um i thought that's what you were going to say then i thought you were going to say yeah <laughs> i i think it seems to me like it's inevitable we'll find some kind of other life on another planet eventually. Um, because, you know, the further strides we make going into space and, and things like that and exploring our universe, the, the more likely we are to, to come across some kind of life. I mean, it might not necessarily be really sophisticated and maybe we won't come across cybermen and things like that and just, yeah. <laughs> um i i do think though it would be the most 2020 thing ever if we went out to go and find new life and we're really happy with like, oh it's been such a terrible year but we've just found life but actually what we do is we trigger an intergalactic war and we're all wiped off the face <laughs> of the earth i just think 2020 summarized isn't it <clears throat> That um, would solve coronavirus. <laughs> it would actually, yeah, yeah. I think the R rate would go down. Then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> George, um, what do you think? Um, I definitely think there's got to be some kind of life form out there. We can't be the only living things um, in this solar system, if not this solar system, you know, another solar system where there's got to be another inhabitable, pa- um, inhabitable palette. I can't speak planet there we go um <laughs> and uh because you know it, it, i think the the chance of obviously earth happening there's got to be a chance that 
this happened somewhere else as well. And I'm sure whoever that may be or whatever they may be is, is trying to, to find us in it in a weird way. But I mean, Callum, do you think you would actually be alive to, uh, to see that if there is, um, life for another planet? I mean, do you, um, what I'm saying is, do you think there is technology that will be developed in the next however many years you will be alive? Um, to, to, to give you the opportunity to, to see another life on the planet. I'm quite optimistic. I think, yes, that I will be alive. I mean, if you think about the fact that hopefully I live until, you know, my, my 80s, 90s, so that gives us quite wow. a few years um, to, to find something. I mean, even if it's just, you know, some like seaweed on another planet or something like that, <laughs> um, that, that will do, you know, at least I can say I was right. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm quite optimistic. I think we will probably find something in, in, in my lifetime, providing I don't, you know, die really young or something like that. Let, let's, let's hope not. Uh, what about you, George? I can't believe you, uh, you, God, you, you're predicting you've got another 70 years on this planet. That's well, crazy. Hopefully. I mean, the, the earth deserves it, don't they? That's the thing. That does it really? Yeah. Yeah. God. No wonder the Earth is punishing us. Um, I <laughs> I think that, yeah, there is a possibility in my lifetime that um, there will be a some kind of life form that we will all be able to see. You know, it'll be breaking news. We found a weird worm on planet Utopia or whatever it's called. Um, and, and I think, yeah, I mean, it will be an absolutely incredibly amazing day. And uh, But the stupid thing is, is that I, then I can imagine... Um, earth then going up trying to catch this creature and bring it back and put it in some weird like outer space zoo yeah um as we often try and do and then you know 50 years later we'll have a figure like david attenborough coming on saying that we need to save all the uh space creatures because we're um making them go extinct so i mean you know maybe in that 70 years Callum, maybe that that david attenborough figure will be you maybe you'll you'll have your own netflix series talking about how we need to save outer space well, George, you've just uh, you've just announced already. I'm I'm already in talks with Netflix about it, George, but you've just announced it to everyone, so that's not good, is it? Why? How, why? What? How long does it take you to negotiate a contract that you need to get something ready for for seventy years time? Well, it's going to be in sixty years time, George, and there's a lot of detail to go through at the end of the day. You know, I'm I'm quite a complex individual. Netflix have needs, I have needs, and we're just trying to sort them out. I don't know. I think they'd hear your voice, Callum, and put themselves to sleep. Um, <laughs> love you. How, uh, how do you think this uh, poll will go? I think 70% of people will say yes. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna stump you a bit here, and I'm going to say 71% of people will say yes. Um, wow. As always, there is only one way to find out, and that's for all of you to go and vote on this poll. Will we ever find life on another planet? And you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And we'll be back after this. Hello and welcome back. Uh, so before that break, we asked, will we ever find life on another planet? And to find out the results of that poll, please go to our Twitter page. That's at WizRadio. Well, unfortunately, it has got to that time of the evening where Callum and I do have to say bye bye. So thanks for listening to Tuba Discuss with Cup and Gur. We do really hope you've enjoyed this episode. So as mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's 
show, we'd like you to send in your opinion on the question. If you had a film made about your life, what would it be titled and who would play you? You can send in those opinions by email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter at wizardradio. So remember to send in your opinion on the question. If you had a film made about your life, what would it be titled and who would play you? And we're really looking forward to hearing those next week. It's now time for George and I to say ciao for now. So I've been Alan And I've been George Cut. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week at the same time and the same place for another episode of To Be Discussed. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.